a couch. Looks comfortable. And it's in space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another ex exciting episode of Couch in Space. And I'm here um, joined by Tibor Makor, who is a better business strategist. And I'm really interested to, to find out from Tibor, like how he got into it. Um, Tibor, I understand you come from an accounting background, which is vastly different to what you do now. What got you into accounting in the first place? Is, are you a numbers guy? Are you a black and white kind of guy? Many of my friends in the past, when I told them that I was an accountant, actually couldn't believe that I was an accountant. Really? And I guess uh, the reason I got into accounting was my dad wanted me to become something when I was still a lot younger okay. and pushed me into the accounting role. And why didn't your friends believe that? Like, what were you to them? Were you sporty? Very sporty. Right. Yes. Ah. Uh, I, I played sports uh, at a sort of like provincial and international level for many years. Ah. And when um, I told them that I was an accountant way back then, yeah. uh, <laughs> it was a very strange combination to get an accountant to do the type of stuff I was doing. And what kind of sport did you do? I played underwater hockey. For those of us who don't know what it is, including my, explain underwater hockey. How is that even possible? All right. So if you imagine a swimming pool, the deep end of a, of a general 25-metre uh, swimming pool yeah. or a 50-metre swimming pool, but at the deep end, you have six players facing each other in the water yeah. with a puck about that size that weighs roughly a kilo and a half yeah. with a stick that's about this long that you hold with one hand and you push it along, pass it to your teammates and you try and score in the opponent's uh, gold bin, which lies on the bottom right. uh, in a tray. So when you hit it underwater, I mean, the puck won't go far, would it? Oh, you can throw five to six metres, depending on, on uh, your technique. Really? Yes, some, some of the top guys actually throw five so metres. Is it easily. like designed really skinny so it can flick through the water? Like It must have to carve through the water somehow. Yeah, so, you know, the stick thickness is generally about that big. Yeah. Um, and it's about that long where you can hold it and you just, some of the guys have really tiny sticks where they just fiddle it through <laughs> everybody you, else. To be honest, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so you went from there um, and so what, you wanted a career in that or? No, no, the sport will uh, never get to that it's level. Not in the it's, Olympics. <laughs> and it's not in the Olympics, it's not a spectator sport and you know, if you're standing at this poolside all you see are bums and fins. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you need but, some really good... But it is highly exciting, very fast game and probably kept me young and fit for as long as I have. Right. And so you, then you got into the accounting industry, so that yeah. was your yeah. so, this, so this happened uh, uh, many years ago, I got involved, mm -hmm. I was uh, um, an apprentice uh, accountant mm -hmm. for many years or articled clerk as they call them. Yes. And then uh, when I finished that, I, because I come from, or sp uh, spent some of my time in uh, South Africa, or many, many years in South Africa, yep. um, I had to do two years of military service in those days. Oh, okay. Oh, geez. And um, while I was there, I still managed to help uh, the company out by doing mm -hmm. some of their financial stuff for clients. Okay. And then they asked me to become a partner. Oh, as, as part of that business and yeah basically for that for almost 10 years <clears throat> I was asked to run the practice yeah. and change the way that we did things and actually increase revenues made mo more money on uh, side um, 
stuff that actually helped our clients. So, for yeah. example, if they needed investment help yeah. or whatever else, then we could put them in contact and we'd clip the ticket for a small amount. So. And that was really the journey moving away from the desk of, you know, making the numbers work to yeah, so having a more personal approach, I suppose, because you really have to understand your clients and their business, wouldn't you? Quite, quite. So the, the big thing that I really enjoyed about the accountancy side, mm. the numbers were okay and mm. producing financial accounts and so forth was, was great. But sitting down with clients and actually talking about their business, yeah. talking about the future, talking about opportunities that they may or may not have, mm. that really got me going. Right. And I guess it was just a step by step by step over the years yeah. that I took to eventually become what I am today, a business right. coach and business mentor. Well, it must be really rewarding too, um, seeing well, your clients who are, I guess, in trouble. And um, I've used Tiwo in the past as well, and you've been fantastic in just highlighting things about business and where to take things and, and what to be aware of. Is, is, is mind-blowing, you know, especially starting off in business when a lot of people don't know. They don't know, they know how to start a business. It's fairly easy to start a business. However, to have a successful business is a whole nother level. And I think you need to have a really deep understanding of business in order to make it successful. And for people just starting, and me included, yeah, I was like a DN headlights. You know, there were so many things to, to balance. And it's not just making a product and selling it, it's the infrastructure around it, uh, the loans you need to get, the, the people you need to hire. And each one of those is like um, a piece of the pie of the whole, you know. And this is kind of what I learned from you, you know, to dissect what the business is and be able to see what we can improve or what, what's working great and things like that. So I thank you, want to thank you for that. But the psychology of it, so you've come from you know, making business work. Why did you, why do you want to help people? You know, what do you get out of it? Thank you first for your uh, kind <laughs> words. It was uh, um, a really nice testimonial, thank you. Yeah, so what makes it work? You know, every day that I go out to help clients, I wake up in the morning thinking, how can I improve? How mm. can I make it better for my clients? Mm. And when I get some of those ideas, I raise them with, with my clients. And if they like it, fantastic. If they don't, it's a discussion around why they think that it might not work for them yep. and potentially look at it. But one of the key things that really drives my passion in this is mm. when I see my clients actually doing better. Right. When I see the people rising above their own expectations, mm -hmm. rising in uh, wealth and yes. opportunities for themselves. As an example, one of my previous clients yeah. was so distraught about his business yeah. that he almost wanted to give me the keys and say, here, take it over from me. Jeez. And the, the real thing that came out of it, out of it was mm. he had no systems in place right. or very little mm -hmm. uh, around the major things, which is communication. Mm -hmm. There was such a lack of communication within that, that organization. When you say communication between him and his staff or him as the business model that he was running? All of the above. Okay, right. Right. So when I got involved, those, that was the first area that I really tackled to make sure that the mm. communication between the shareholders, yep. the communication between management and staff mm. and everybody else started working properly 
yeah. and implemented a system around that, yeah. which I know that they're still implementing today. Mm. Once that got sorted, and I did... Whose <laughs> phone is that? That's mine. Oh. I should have turned it off. Okay. Shall we stop? No, no, keep, keep it on. Keep, no, just, I can edit it afterwards. Yeah. And that's why we turn off our phones yep. when we do a serious couch in space interview. <laughs> that's all right. It's all pretty casual because, you know, there's a little dog, you know, running around yeah, as well. Yeah. So it's all good. So what were you saying? Okay, so um, they, coming back to the point on getting their uh, mm. business sorted out, one of the key things was that he did everything. Right, yeah. So in other words, he was tied up in the day-to-day -day stuff, making sure that things were happening, that the team was being sent out to the right places, whatever else. Mm -hmm. And you could see the frustrations there. Yes. Once I started identifying all of these issues, and one of the key things that I do as well is I do a staff survey. So in other words, mm. I ask the staff mm. very pertinent questions, which are agreed to by the owners. Yes. The information that you get from staff is just invaluable. And once you listen to that and you start interpreting that and putting some mm. processes and systems around that in place, yeah. the turnaround in staff engagement is like, wow, just okay. like that. Yeah. And then the second thing is, once you start identifying key people that can rise up to managerial level to mm. take over some of the day-to-day -day tasks, mm. as I've said to you, you need to be able to st step away from doing the manual stuff all the time mm. and look at uh, potential other people to do some of the stuff that you do so yeah. so that you can go out and talk to other potential <laughs> business owners. No, that's very true. Delegating is absolutely it's the right. hardest thing yeah. and it's, yeah. So once I show them the system around delegation mm. and how to implement it and how to monitor it so that you as the business owner are still fully informed of all things, yes. magic happens in a business. Right. It really, really changes things. Yeah. So much so that that uh, business that I'm um, d describing, the business owner now has time to go to the gym every morning, mm -hmm. can go to his children's school events, mm -hmm. has the opportunity or is in the process of opening up five new avenues of income for his business, right. where he was solely on one revenue source mainly. Okay. So now suddenly things are starting to get into that rhythm of building mm -hmm. and creating more wealth yes. overall. And that, that in the long term mm. is the best way to grow any business and specifically here in New Zealand. Yes. Well, why, why New Zealand? New Zealand is a majorly small business environment. Mm. Yeah. So most of the businesses here are either micro or small. Yes in comparison yes. to our, some of our OECD partners mm -hmm. and such. They are the biggest employer of people yeah. in the country. Yeah, that's true. So imagine if all those small businesses suddenly failed, how many unemployed people would there suddenly be? Mm. If you set systems in place, you don't always need to grow into a major company like Fonterra or any of the other ones. Mm. But if you can grow to a reasonable size where maybe say you've got 100 employees working for you and it's giving you the type of profits yes because the most important thing about a business is making profit and the satisfaction the work satisfaction that you've always craved mm. because a lot of technicians 
walk away from their role because they've had an issue with their previous managers. Right. Yeah. Started off in, in their own business, did fantastically well for the first year, then all those little issues started running or happening. And then that's like, oh my God, what you know, have it's, I done? It's, uh, it's not sustainable, isn't it, no. really? Because yes, you can run a business and you can be the sole person in charge and take all that on your shoulders, but you're going to break eventually, hey, if you're not getting Absolutely, totally agree. Mm. So one of the key things around that is to make sure that you as the business owner actually start enjoying your business again. Yes. All right? Yes. Because if you don't, yeah, that's a big one. You, you're going to be so frustrated with everything, you're going to start screaming at your uh, employees and suppliers and or anybody else, yeah. and everybody can see that you're, that you're tense. Yeah. The second thing about that is you're not growing wealth. Because if you don't delegate and you don't allow the growth aspect to happen in your business, mm. you are curtailing whatever potential revenue that you may have right. garnered during the years and then grown your business to a numerical size that makes sense for you when you do want to sell one day. Yeah. It's just setting yourself up for the future, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely right. And right. wouldn't that be a nice ride that a business can get to a stage where it's self-sufficient that you as the business owner can step back from it yep. and you know be able to drive it in directions that you wanted and actually enjoy it. That's a big one for me. I, I so want to enjoy, you know, what's the point in getting up in the morning, owning a business and not enjoying what you do? You know, it's, yeah. um, I, I it's think a tough one because it's a love-hate too. Yes. You know, you get up in the morning and you love, oh yes. I'm charging my own destiny, <laughs> but my destiny is going down the toilet and it's all my fault. So, you know, there's that, I don't know, that pendulum swings. Yeah, it's, it's more of the mindset change that uh, uh, needs to happen from mm. saying, oh God, I've got to go back to the office today, yeah. to saying, yes, I'm going back to the office because mm. I have a couple of things that I need to do, but the rest of it is all taken care of uh, yeah. for me by my systems and my uh, employees. So you've talked about business owners and I guess the main issue for them is that they take on too much and they don't delegate enough. What is the main issue for um, the employees that you've come across? Like when you first talk to employees, what's the general consensus you get from them? They think that their bosses are not clued up how to run a business. Really? And they have frustrations to no end. Right. So when I actually sit down and ask them very specific questions and I, I, I try and find out as much as possible yes. um, through asking very specific questions that, that really hit home as to how they're feeling there and how they feel that things could be better. Right. So I identify the, the frustrations that they have but they often have very good solutions as well to some of right. the challenges. And once I put it into a format that the uh, business owner can understand, mm -hmm. I take it to them and then they sit down uh, with me and we work through the issues. Yes. And then hopefully if they're on board and they've got the right mindset about changing, mm. because remember, until you change, nothing changes. No, that's right. Right? So once the changes start happening, as yes. I said, magic starts happening in a business because suddenly the employees are saying, wow, hmm, never knew my right. boss would be open to that type of stuff. But surely when an employer looks at the comments, you know, there's egos involved and there's also insecurities involved. How do employers initially react to potentially negative feedback from 
the staff that's meant to be supportive of the business? Yeah, in general, the the thought process probably going through the... Uh, um, How dare they, I'm going to fire them exactly. all. Exactly. <laughs> something, something, something to that effect. Yeah. You get that, that, that feeling that um, business owners think that uh, the employees are ungrateful yeah. for the fact that, that they're um, no, so, so saying those comments. How dare they? Yeah, exactly. Kind of yep. Yeah, that's right. Mm. However, when I sit down and I actually talk through the issues as mm. such, lots of business owners suddenly go, oh, okay, so it wasn't meant in a bad way. It was actually meant in a positive way, mm. but it was highlighting the issues. And once I get that message through, it's like the light suddenly goes on and... Right. Yeah. But I, I, I totally agree with you that a lot of the business owners suddenly think, why are these guys so negative towards me? I'm working my ass off right, to keep this business afloat, exactly. to give them a job. How dare they criticize Quite me? Right. It's not like they're doing my job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you see, the other side of the coin is the employees often don't understand either the yes. pressures that the uh, boss is under. Yes. Although some of them do, but the majority of them don't. And yes. it's the relaying of all the various systems and mm. things that actually happen in a business for them to suddenly understand. Yes. So what I've also done is I've helped business owners create a little group together with their uh, employees, mm -hmm. sit down, work through some of the uh, management or how to manage a business, mm -hmm. discuss that with the, those employees so that they too can see the bigger picture yes. about what a, how a business should be run and what the opportunities are within that specific business. Uh, I, I totally agree. I think it's so invaluable for everyone to know the bigger picture. Yep. You know, this is what we do. I, mean, I do that. I mean, I have very small staff, but we meet at least once a week. Well, actually, no, we do. We meet once a week. And uh, yes, Good sometimes it's annoying and because everyone's busy. But no, 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 those 10, 20 minutes, half an hour it usually runs for, is invaluable because all of a sudden you do a round robin and they highlight things that you forgot about or you haven't thought about or they've come up with a solution. And it's, it's really nice to see that... Um, engagement. Engagement. Yep. It keeps everything in check too. Everyone understands, okay, oh, they're going through this, mm. so I'm going through that. Uh, so maybe they're stressed this week because they've got all this stuff coming up. So it, it just makes everyone aware kind of thing. Yeah, and you can set out your priorities and mm. issues that, that you need to have sorted in the week. Yeah. And if you set certain targets that, that need to be met, the, that's the perfect uh, venue or vehicle, I guess, to get the uh, whole team engaged. Because then everybody knows that there are certain targets to be met in certain projects potentially. Yeah. One of the things I've taken uh, from your course, it sounds like an infomercial. <laughs> Timor Mako, Better Business Strategies. Call now for a free T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is conversation. And I talked with people about this. It's just the human connection. And part of the, hum the way hu we humans connect is through language. Correct. And it's very interesting that part of, I think, your process um, is how to use the correct language. And um, tell me, how did that come about? When did you notice that, hey, if you said it in this way, you're just more likely to get something out of it. Yeah, I think it's just come down the years of experience really to okay. understand. Mm. So when I was still in a, a sort of like doing the accountancy side of things, there was a certain process that had to be followed in order to get your financial accounts done. Yes. And when you're sitting, sitting down with your clients, you spoke to them in 
I guess, an authoritative mm-hmm. figure yes. way. I learned that that was not the best way to approach clients, especially if they needed to make changes. Right. And I had to start using a lot more subtle words. Okay. And it's only over the last, probably last 10 years with all the various books and mm. um, business-related material that I've worked through that I've actually learned to change the way that I speak to my clients and to people. The key thing is about things have to change. If you say to somebody, do that differently, yes. it's like, oh my God, I've just been told to, to do something. I'm going to rebel here. Mm. Right? That's almost a natural thing for, for, for humans. Yep. But if you put it in a way and say, you know, have you considered, if you had a cleaner desk, do you think that you could potentially work more efficiently? No. Well, there you go. So people, people would have that and, th- and then you'd say, okay, so you think that it's not going to work for you. How, how would it be if I just move this here to there? Tell me, have you got a bit more arm room? Do you think that you could get oh, a little a bit more? Bit. I never thought of it like that. Well, there you go. So it's, it's just showing little bits and pieces, but using certain words changes the own mindset of every single person. Mm. Well, not every single person, most people in a way that is complementary to the whole situation. Yes, and I think that kind of language too, and I know it's getting very PC, um, but I guess it's about getting someone to make their own changes. You're basically leading them down a path, but they're the ones walking it. So they, you've, you've got more control, you know, when you say, um, what could you do to make your desk nicer, for instance? Correct. And rather than say, clean up your desk. That's right. What's clean up to you it means something totally different to clean up to them. But if you can make your desk nicer, they go, okay, well, how can I make my desk nicer? It's pretty good the way it is, but I could possibly do this and this and this. It's, they're not rebelling against you. They're, they're, it's an internal um, conversation, isn't it? That Correct. Happens. Correct. So the perfect example would be small children. So yeah, okay. I, I happen to have two. Yep, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when you tell them, come Why clean do you up. sigh, Tibor? Oh, Is parenting really that hard? It's not really that hard, but it, <laughs> but it gets challenging from time to time. Yeah, so yeah. you say, go and clean up your room. Yep. And it's immediately, <laughs> I can't hear. <laughs> yeah. so, hey, if you cleaned up your room, do you think that you could play with your Lego a little bit better? This is for my son. <laughs> okay, yep. And then you could see the, the cogs working in his mind. You know, he wants to rebel against it because it's just natural for, yeah. for a young child to do he that. he doesn't want to clean his room. He doesn't want to clean his room. But when he thinks about it, it's like, oh, okay. Look at that. I'll go and clean it up. Mm. Doesn't always do it. But no. a lot of times it's starting to change. Yeah. You know, and and I, I believe as they get older, the understanding of those types of questions will get better too. And hopefully... Mm. It'll help them to become better managers themselves when they get uh, into their older years uh, in working situations as such. I think one of the best things you can teach your kids is to think for themselves. Correct. And to, and to get them to realise that it is, it is all you, you know. You put yourself in these situations, you can get yourself out of these situations. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff you do, you do for yourself as well. So you don't, don't blame society, don't blame... 
no, everyone else. No, a lot of the things that you get into right. is your own, yeah. own doing. Do you find yeah. that with, with your kids? How old are they? Uh, they are 8 and 10. 8 and 10. Oh, you still got a way to go. Yeah. Mine are 21 and 17. <laughs> so the, my damage has already been done. Yeah, 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 <laughs> You're still yeah. doing yours. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting, and there's nothing better than seeing your kids think for themselves. Absolutely. And say, yes, okay, this has happened. I'm going to do this about it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. Doesn't always happen, no. but it's slowly but surely starting to tick in. And I guess that's what our business is too. It's yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. A lot of the times it's like having children because you're dealing with personalities. Actually, I never thought of it that way, but um, if you want to regard yourself as a child in the situation, that's awesome. <laughs> the problems, yeah, no, but the problem is that, you know, there's always personalities that are more grown up. Yes. And there's personalities that are more childlike. And a lot of the time, the bosses are actually the children. And, you know, it goes, right. yeah, Up that's right. The they just right. happen to be in a position of authority, authority and power. But, um, but if you can recognize the dynamic within your business and say, oh, actually, she's a lot more mature than I am, maybe I get her to respond to this email that's irritating the hell out of me. I'm just going to blow my top if I, I do it. But there's some diplomacy there, isn't there? Yes. So you can, but dynamics though, isn't it? But it's also recognizing mm. a situation within your business that you say, hang on, is there somebody else that is p potentially more qualified than me to handle the situation? And this yes. is, and, and, and this is, I think, one of the key is issues that, that business owners need to recognize mm. is that if you have people that are smarter than you in your business, mm. your business will grow faster. But as you mentioned earlier, that ego aspect of business and business ownership can be a real problem. Mm -hmm. If you look at uh, one of our great entrepreneurs around the world, uh, Richard Branson, mm -hmm. he said on, in many of his books, he always makes sure that he hires the best people mm. for a particular enterprise that he's uh, started and or running because he doesn't necessarily know anything about that business per se. Yeah. But the people that he's hired actually do. And they are making the money for him. So all he's doing is he's sitting back and pulling the strings yes. and thinking about the bigger picture, saying, well, instead of this format mm. that I would think about, I would say, well, maybe what he said might be taken on board and mix it with my personality. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To still get a form of a business that has your persona in it. Mm. And if you look at uh, Richard Branson's uh, different types of businesses around, uh, yeah. you, you'll see that his persona is within virtually all of them, but he lets it be run by the people that actually know how to run it properly. That's right. And he gets his kicks out of starting something. That's hey, correct. And getting something in motion. Exactly. Now, if business owners all thought in that same format, mm. man, we could have a really expanding business yeah. environment in this country here. Oh, absolutely. But egos are a, a bit of a challenge, and we all need to get past them at some point. The thing is, you lose so much too, because um, I have a real problem with um, pigeonholing people, um, which you kind of do in big organisations and industries. You know, the worker ant theory, you know, or, or the McDonald's theory. One person does this little job, another person does this little job. Yep. And within the company structure, that's pretty much how it runs. And there's no personalities. It's all, it's all stripped of that. And the humanity is kind of 
gone out of that. And I think that's part of the problem with a lot of the businesses that we have these days. But you see it changing and, you know, using different language and, and actually really getting to know your pool of talent that you have available. Very much so. Because if you don't talk to Dorothy on, on, at reception, you'll never find out that she's an Olympic gold medalist, you know, yeah. or that she's driven to do arts and crafts, which you can use in your marketing campaigns and things like that. So there is a whole expanse, and, that, and to be honest, I find people fascinating, and that's why, like, a couch in space like this, when you're just talking, um, to get people's theories and understanding how yes. it all works. But at the end of the day, a lot of people just want to, one, leave better, live better lives for themselves, and also want to make it better for other people. That's right. There's something really noble about humanity. Mm. Um, what I've discovered, of course, there's pockets that rebel against that, yeah. but... Do you find that though? You know? Yes, I find specifically amongst the, if, if we go back to the business uh, setup with mm. the business owners yeah. that I have actually helped and that have taken that uh, leap forward, mm. you suddenly see a lot more engagement with, with A, their staff, B, yes. there's a lot more giving back. So, yep. I don't know, suddenly there'll be a few more parties or there'll be a few more gifts floating around, whatever, because suddenly everybody is appreciating everybody else. Yeah. And you suddenly get that, that, that feeling of a camaraderie within an organisation. Mm. Whereas if you've got a, I guess, a dictatorial type yes. boss, it'll always be him and us type mm. situation. And whatever goes wrong will always be the employee's fault and uh, never the, uh, the yeah. owner's uh, fault as such. And, and those types of organisations are always, in my opinion, they're always headed for doom at well, some point. Well, they're fragile, isn't it? It's like a, a big rod that just gets bigger and bigger and eventually it's going to break because... Well, the key problem with, with those types of organisations, all, all it needs is one or two of the key operators yeah. of that uh, business to just walk away and say they've had enough right. and the whole thing can, can come falling down so quickly. Right. And you know, lots of these business owners don't recognise that, that problem. Right. And that's what I try and instill this saying, you know, if you think about the bigger picture, you as the business owner have to extract yourself so much so that you're actually just steering the ship and yes. letting everybody else do the actual rigging of the sails, if you want to put that analogy in place, and, and doing everything else. And all you're just doing is you're just taking it and taking it in the direction you want to take it in. Different concept. What about um, the power of having a common enemy? You know, and this is something I thought about even just today, actually. You know, when you have a boss who's an asshole, right, and he's got his underlings underneath him, usually those underlings really bond with each other. You know, they have that common... Yes, that's correct. Yes. And a within that, there is a certain camaraderie there. Um, I just wouldn't mind getting your take on that. Like, do you see that a yes. lot? And yes. Of course, but what happens then, you come in and you're giving everyone a seat at the table, all of a sudden there's... There's no one thing to kind of rebel against or to tie everyone together. Um, is that dangerous? You know, could you upset the whole status quo and it actually crumbles? No. Okay. So that, that's not been my experience. Okay. What I have had uh, is, you know, sitting around the table, as you say, or having robust conversations about certain things. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, you may have had the odd, odd opportunity, you know, where somebody raises their voice or whatever yes. and you recognise that and just try and calm it down, mm -hmm. you know, when I've been part of the uh, conversations. It's about recognising that each one of us has a point of view. Right. And one of the key things about that is 
each one of us needs to be able to express it fully and without any encumbrance. So in other words, you must be able to express it in such a way that you know that whatever you say will not be held against you. Right. All right. Mm -hmm. When you have that type of organization, then you will see real sparks fly okay. because then that it'll be the rocket take, taking off to the moon. Because once people have been given the opportunity to express what they either feel and or have as an idea yeah. and it is being listened to, yeah. the appreciation, appreciation levels go up no end. Right. And the bosses that recognize that are the ones that come off the best because suddenly they, they say, oh, I never knew Johnny was so good. Mm. They didn't take over that division or that part of, of the project. Right. And the next moment, the boss is suddenly saying, oh, I've got an extra few hours. Oh, maybe I'll go and play another round of golf or two. Mm. Right. And that happens so often. Yes. So wow. often. I had a, uh, another business that I, that I worked for or worked with as such uh, several years ago. Mm. And the owner of that business just couldn't find the time for, for anything. And I just worked through the process of putting a system in place for him. Yes. Within three months, he had an extra half a day in the afternoon to go and play golf. Right. So he's suddenly playing Wednesday <laughs> and a Friday. Good for Lucky him. him. Yeah. I'm hoping I could do that one day. I don't yeah. like golf. I just play guitar well, instead. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is that you'd like to do to be able to take some time off. Yeah. What about the fear of change? Obviously, you come into a place, you're upsetting the boss because all of a sudden everything's on shaky ground. The staff are now going, where do I fit in? Everything is kind of shifting and moving. Um, how, do you, how do you put their mind at ease? Like, um, I guess you have to sell that change is going to be good when most people are reluctant for change, aren't they? Yep, most people fear change. Yes. Only because you're in a, in a zone of comfort, all right? So Think once- what you know, hey. Yeah, mm. so once you can get, get everybody's attention on the fact that with a bit of change, yes. the prospects of the future will, will look much better. Mm. All right? Mm. So for example, in the miscommunicated environment, yeah. a couple of changes will see the communication side change. Yeah. And then the next level would be up, oh, how can we actually improve on this? Yeah, right. You know? Mm. And if it's in an in a environment where um, there is a reasonable amount of well-developed working together, I guess. Yes. But there are certain little things lacking. You know, there might be a system that's that's not working properly yeah. within, let's say, an accounting function and or whatever else it might be. That change is only minor than in the context of the of the bigger picture. Mm. So if you make that smaller change, but this uh, financial information flowing through to the owners and key stakeholders in that organization yeah. is suddenly there because you've implemented some, some basic changes, a whole new thing suddenly arises. I, one of my clients that I had them work together with them to create a key performance indicator yeah. format yeah. as such. Once that was in place and he understood how those figures worked and how it interacted with each other yeah. and how it helped him create his uh, profits in his business, he couldn't wait for the monthly KPI right. reports to come through and suddenly say, holy, oh yes, we've got these issues. Oh, I know why, why this mm. particular uh, percentage is different. Yeah. 
yes. whatever it may be within the business. But suddenly that excitement about reading the numbers, because that's one of the key things that I found as well is that most business owners get into business and they don't understand how to read the numbers in their business. Very true. And I take them through I'm one that of those process. people, Tibor. I go, hmm, <laughs> I kind of get it, but there's a lot of numbers there and hmm. I get I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so <laughs> I help uh, implement a system whereby the uh, information is recorded properly. Yes. So that people can actually understand how that fits within their organization, yes. what their profits are, where their profitability lies, as well as their, their costing structure. So in other words, how much is your percentage of cost? Can we make some savings there? In general, there's a little bit of saving around the costing side, yes. but most importantly in most businesses, the only way to increase your profits is to sell more of so, your products. Yeah, right. So. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you very much, Tibor. It's been very enlightening. No, thank you, Daniel. It's, it's been, been a, a fantastic uh, time here on the couch. My brain's hurting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must say, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, the rarefied uh, um, atmosphere up here is a bit, bit, yeah, bit I know, uh, hard to take up. So. <laughs> But it's really so awesome and um, I hope, you know, people get something out of this. I, I mean, business is something that, it, especially here in New Zealand, small business, the medium business, it makes New Zealand's world go round. That's right. Yet it's amazing to see so many business owners that struggle with that day-to-day -day stuff, like the stuff that we talked about. Yeah. And they don't really know that there is a solution for that kind of stuff. Absolutely, there's always a solution. If you choose to go into business, you have to play by the rules of how business works, you yeah. know. You can't rebel against it because that's it's at the detriment to your business in the yeah. end. And that's something I've really learned is you've got to play the game by that rules, you know. And there's certain benchmarks you need to hit. Apart from that, then you can be free and creative and get up in the morning. I, I often use the analogy of, mm. of sport. Oh, yeah. When you're when you're oh, in why? a team, <laughs> when you're in a team environment, or even on your own, yeah. your coach, because you will need a coach in, if you if you want to become uh, an Olympic athlete or a world champion athlete, yeah. your coach will tell you where some of the areas are in your game need to be Brutally need to improve. Hey, yeah, mm -hmm. right, because mm -hmm. they, they they give you the feedback that you generally would would never get, or you never be able to improve yourself if you ever aspire to become a, a world champion. Yeah. So the sporting analogy is, is so uh, imperative even in business. Yeah. Because if you get a business coach that can actually look at your business dispassionately. Right. And yes. actually without telling you in a, in a harsh way but in a nice way that things can, can uh, work out and with subtle changes here and there make a huge difference. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, people should really consider that. And with anything in life, uh, it's easier to look, you know, from the outset than to actually be involved in it. Like even if you have well-meaning bosses and staff, once you're in the organisation and you've been in the organisation for a long time, you can't actually see... You get see the blinkers you on. You do, you do. And that's a natural thing. It's actually... Um, but to get an external perspective, it's worth its weight in gold yep. because, yeah, you, you're not vested, you know. That's you right. You can see it how it is. Yeah. Awesome, Tibor. Thank you very much. Thank you much. very much, Daniel. Until next awesome. time, yes. have to get you back again and maybe um, talk something more about business strategies because it's quite fascinating stuff. That's cool. Thank Look you for forward to it. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you for you. watching and see you next time. Couch in space.